And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Joel. Hello. What's happening, man? Uh, waking up in the morning, getting my breakfast ready. It's an hour earlier. I it know. It feels an hour earlier. Well, it is, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Um, I yeah. think that threw me off, too, but that's good for me. I need to start waking up early, even if it's not really early. It's just... Are you a late riser? It's uh, more of a night owl. If I go to yeah. sleep at 3 or 4, then I need my 8 hours, so I don't get up until like 10 or 11 or whatever. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I've always sort of been a night owl. I seem to be more creative at night. So I do a lot, I do a lot of stuff after 10 PM. I do a lot of, um, what I call night school. I, uh, just go on down YouTube holes and either if I'm learning something or studying something, I just do that all night and just until three or three or four in the morning. I've been on an Evan Dando kick and the lemon heads and watching all these live performances and 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. The last two or three weeks, I've been watching a lot of videos, kind of like what I call, I'm. I'm a basketball fan, so I'm watching film video of people playing, or like what basketball players oh. call watching film to study. I'm watching a lot of people on YouTube play solo to see what that's like and how to do it and pull it off. And, but uh, no, I'm just watching a lot of live performances from from artists that I I know play solo and just to, just to kind of mm-hmm. see how they do it and what it sounds like and kind of how to pull it off. So like Evan Dando, Elliot Smith, and Jose Gonzalez. Right. Where are you, by the way? I'm at home in Glasso Park, Los Angeles. Mm. Yeah, nice sunny day. How's L.A. and Glasso Park feeling in general these days? Uh, it's 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 beautiful. Definitely gentrifying. I mean, like crazy. There's a, there's now a comic book store sort of thing across the street that I can see popped up out mm-hmm. of nowhere. I didn't know comic book stores still had brick and mortar places um there's a pinball machine in there a few pinball i don't know yeah the neighborhood is changing once you get the first uh coffee shop you kind of know the end is near and that's kind of what happened like three or four years ago and now it's like uh all the prices are going crazy in la as maybe you've heard i'm sure for living sure. and stuff so but otherwise we're pretty lucky to be where we are so i'm pretty um i'm pretty thankful and yeah glasgow park's great it's right just Right near everything it needs to be near for me and far enough away where I don't feel trapped or just like uh, yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah, I love it. Did you uh, grow up in L.A.? Yeah, born and raised on the playground where right. I spent most of my days. Um, yeah. Hawthorne, California. Yeah, right by the LAX. Mm-hmm. Right on. Mm-hmm. So in the last uh, couple of years, we all were f- faced with an involuntary break, obviously. Mm. Did you find yourself doing anything unexpected outside of music um i guess you could say that my newfound not my newfound but like i was gonna say passion for activism but uh it did kind of open my eyes to my tenuous situation as a musician in this country an artist Mm -hmm. undervalued underpaid and you know with no like security net and it made me kind of like think about what what to do about that or how to fix that or how to like do something to fix that situation and not just like get a new job or a new career but like how to make yeah being a musician more more tenable and uh and i actually joined a union this this year or last or 2020 actually um yuma united musicians and allied workers and started during the pandemic by a lot of i don't know i guess indie artists at the time smaller artists niche artists or whatever but they collected 30,000 signatures and got a lot of momentum and people um, excited about a possible music, musicians union for people that aren't classical musicians or quote unquote, you know, those sort of uh, high, you know, higher uh, respected musical positions or whatever, just something for the regular person. And so that was definitely unexpected for me, but it sort of landed on my lap at the right time. I was looking for something proactive to do besides just wallow in my situation and be worried about it. <laughs> yeah. And when that came up, it was a really great release and awesome, obviously, when you get to like just deal with these things with other people in similar situations and talk and do meetings. So that was the number one biggest thing, I think, that changed. I mean, it's not outside of music, because like I said, it's definitely has something to do with my music career, but it's not something I was ever, I, I've done before. You know, it's not going up on stage and playing the guitar. It's definitely a new thing for me, being part of a, a union and a, and a grassroots, like, activist organization. So it's been pretty great. Do you feel like it's uh, helped you out, or there's a there's a oh, future in it for there's you? There's a, I mean, you never know. These things, they're so brand new, but we got so much momentum. We have people 
that is, uh, you know, uh, musicians uh, signing on all the time, um, asking us uh, about the uh, organizations, wanting to help, seeing that there's a mm-hmm. need that we're trying to, you know, this void that we're trying to fill for representation for, like I said, sort of normal musicians, not just classical musicians, but we're trying to cater to the regular musician, the, the musician that's sort of uh, the thriving part of the business economy and the bands, the small people and the people that don't get, uh, don't have protections like other unions would have. So, um, right. it, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting ride. I'm excited. Yeah. We're getting some traction. The name rings out within certain circles, especially in the music industries. We're like talking with legislators, working with them on stuff. And so, there's stuff happening and uh, it's exciting, but it's definitely a long haul and we know it's going to be, you know, a long haul, but uh, yeah, we're excited. The, the core group of people involved are excited and are keeping everything going and humming along. We're just trying to make it grow. You know, you have to build a foundation for this union. We're all learning on the, on the fly. Luckily, like a lot of these people are very talented, smart, beyond music and motivated uh, politically and everything mm-hmm. so it's cool but it's definitely shown me that it's not just hopping in and creating a union and thinking things are going to change right away it's going to take a lot of coalition building a lot of uh foundational stuff we need to do for our own organization to function properly a lot of things that i just never i've never dealt with but it's exciting to me because it has to do something that i think will benefit me and, and many musicians down the line so you've piqued my interest what what is it called again it's called union of musicians and allied workers Yuma. Okay. And there's cool. Instagram and there's Twitter. Instagram's got, you know, all the info and like cool visuals. Um, it's, it's popping right now. We're, we're, when things are going down, like the Joe Rogan thing and other kind of maybe Spotify issues or streaming issues, we're mm-hmm. actually being contacted quite regularly by most of the press covering it. So this, that's a good sign all for right. me. You know, that's, that we're, we're the people, the people think about when we're talking about streaming inequality and other issues like that. All right. That's great. So from my understanding, you spend a lot of time recording. What's your daily process when you're recording? Do you just walk into your studio and plug in? Or you produce bands also. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do produce bands. I mostly, what I I like to call the Steve Albini approach, I I record them. I capture their recordings. Um, I'm more of a recorders as opposed to a producer i like to let people kind of do their own producing i feel like nowadays in this day and age people kind of know what they want or at least feel like they know what they want i just try to kind of um encourage them or try to get what they want out of themselves uh as far as like what i believe producing is i come from the glenn john school of that which is like if i produce i'm producing like my decisions i'm making uh decisions on tempo on on arrangement on musicians and all that stuff so I rarely kind of produce people since it's like, it takes a big, like you put yourself in my hands and that's it type of thing. And more likely I I work with people who are very creative and can honestly produce themselves. And I'm just trying to help them along with that. So I do mostly what I call just engineering recording, but um, yeah, I work with other people when I can. It's a, it's a great way to cut my teeth actually. Um, What I do normally is when I go down the studio, I try to just, I just, I do whatever I can that day. I, I, Sometimes I don't feel like doing something, but once I start doing it, you just, you, you get it done. So just, by, sure. just yeah. um, if I don't have anything particular I want to record, I do a lot of covers or I re-record an old song because actually when I go in there, it's never like I'm going to record this song for a release. I'm just, I'm trying to record to learn my gear and to try sure. out. 
something I learned the night before on YouTube, like on those whole, like those, uh, you know, night school that I go to. A lot of a lot of that time is spent watching videos and watching, you know, learning how to record and how to like do different things. And I take that into the studio the next day. So I do a lot of that. I, a lot of I, my recording is really a lot of experimentation in general, learning mm -hmm. my equipment. And then if a song comes out of it or a cool cover comes out of it, that's a benefit. Um, and if I have a record to do, then that's a different story. But for the most part, the day to day, I just go in and try to record anything and just to learn my equipment and my gear Yeah, and try something new. Yeah. That's what, that's what I do also. I, I mean, part of that, at least it takes me a little while to get into the interface and just whatever it, that interface is, whether it's, you know, analog or an actual interface. But, um, if I go in there and I fail for one day, that's a success because I know not to do that again. Exactly. And that's actually not a bad, not, that's actually true. I don't go in there thinking I need to make some finished great product. I'm, I'm just learning really. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes something sounds cool. Sometimes like, ah, you know, that could have worked out better, but I would have known unless I tried and it's seriously how I, I get better. Just try to keep trying different things. Yeah. It's, it's a fun thing for me. I like, I really like being in the studio figuring things out really and trying new techniques out that's to me is really fun um part of it i prefer it to a lot of things in the last couple of years have you played any versions of shows streaming or in person yeah i've done a couple i've done uh, some streaming shows uh, a couple live things that were pre-recorded um but not many i mean maybe i can i can count them on one hand maybe like three total not too many not too many and it's uh it's yeah it's you know Everything's just slow everywhere for everybody, so that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, um, Superflower Blood Moon is amazing. Thanks to your publicist, I got to hear the whole thing. And um, and I want to talk about it. I understand you recorded it. But uh, first, I'd like to play We Made It Home. Is that cool? That's cool, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh, uh -huh. 
in my head man yeah there's um a mantra kind of drone aspect to to both the rhythm and those post choruses i guess if there are extended choruses i'm always saying this but i just love that kind of thing um yeah i'm glad you got that that's definitely what i was going for that's definitely what i was going for do you do much of that do you Um, get into a drone thing with yourself when you're recording or writing a song or just playing yeah i do like it a lot um I just had a conversation with a friend of mine and I kind of had an epiphany that like I was listening to some, um, well, actually I was listening to um, Fahey. What's his, what's his first name? I can't remember his name. Oh my God. Sean Fahey. And so a lot of his stuff has this really kind of like droney pulsing type of thing. And I love that sort of stuff because it is something you just get lost in and kind of like sucked in in your own world yeah. while you're playing it, which is an interesting feeling whether you're listening or playing. But when you're playing it in particular for me, I'm like, especially recently I've been Fingerpicking a lot more, like a lot of the songs on the record have, have feature a lot of finger picking, and so you can just get these patterns and like drone yourself into this thing. So um, yeah, that was definitely conscious, and I'm glad you picked that up because it was sort of like losing myself in that little mantra of a, of a, of a line over and over again. And then, yeah, it's enjoyable for me. I mean, I enjoy the uh, the occasional herbal jazz cigarette. And so when I'm when I'm playing, and definitely. Um, sometimes it turns into that sort of experimental sound thing pulsing right. trance-like stuff so yeah I, I totally enjoy it i love that sort of stuff tell me a little bit how the process on this record did you how to begin yeah it was pretty interesting um jim a danger bird who i've known for a long time a good friend tour mates jim fairchild jim fairchild um you know working at danger bird and we i've done this, a single with them before and they're like, well, you know, we might want to do a record. Do you have any new songs? And I'm like, yeah, I have some new songs. He's like, okay, cool. I want to hear them, <clears throat> but don't record them like you normally would. Like, he's like, I know you. Don't, like, go in there and do, like, a production. And, you know, I just want to hear the songs on their own. Put a, Sing them in the phone. I just want super bass. I want to hear the songs. I was like, okay. And he's, oh, and he's, he's also like, and all new songs nothing that you've done on anything else because he, i think he knows me like i, I definitely redo songs mm-hmm. or use them on different records and i feel like they're paintings you know like there's it's a different medium but the same kind of subject but um 
He's like, yeah, just new songs. Give me new songs and don't do anything pretty. Just sing on your phone. So I took that as a challenge. I was like, okay. My process, you know, that's my recording for writing songs. It's definitely, it's really random. And I don't sit down and try to write a song or write a record ever. I just compile a bunch of songs together normally from sessions or different things I've done and say, okay, this is a record. It sounds like a record. But this is like a challenge. I'm like, okay, let me uh, basically go through my voice notes every night, right around midnight. Once my partner mm -hmm. would go to sleep, she's a professor, so she goes to sleep early. And I had a, a nylon string acoustic guitar I had just gotten again. It had been years since I played a nylon acoustic guitar. I've first instrument I, I ever learned how to play on, so it's really strange. I hadn't had one in over 10, 15 years. I was, I was borrowing one, and so it was kind of perfect. Uh, I had to be quiet, obviously, so it made me play a little different, more finger-picking, a little more thumb action, and... Basically, took one of my herbal jazz cigarettes, went through my voice notes, picked the first riff or half a song or chord sequence or whatever I had that perked my ears and, and decided to write a song that's, you know, turn that into a song that night, complete mm -hmm. with lyrics and everything. And that's the other thing. I'm, I'm really not a, I'm not a word person at all. Like, I don't like writing. I don't like reading unless it's an article. Um, and mm -hmm. so like lyrics, <laughs> lyrics are really hard for me or like just take forever. Some songs don't even have lyrics. I just make them up on the spot every time I sing them live. So I challenge myself yeah. to like, okay, tonight you're going to write all the chords of this song, finish this and write all the lyrics. So think of a theme, whatever it is that the song kind of brings out. So that's what I did every night for like a couple weeks. Um, after the first night, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, first couple of nights, I was like, this is pretty cool. I just did two songs in one night, which for me, like I said, I don't I don't write songs in batches at all. And I finished them lyrically and everything. And I was pretty happy with the process. So two weeks later, yeah, I had like 14, 15 songs. And like like I was talking about earlier, just like making yourself do something uh, kind of just makes mm -hmm. it happen. And that, that's what that's what I did. I sort of just like made it happen. And um that was the process, the secret secret uh, sauce behind this whole record was kind of like yeah. the spontaneous creativity, kind of capturing it, and writing a song a day. And that was where, it, that's where it all started. How did it feel going from your, your voicemails to actually to tape or whatever you use? Um, well, the funny thing is when I recorded all the demo, these demos, quote unquote, um, on my yeah. phone... I love the way they came out, those demos. Like, I was almost, like, at the end of it all, especially when I played it for Jim, he agreed, like, Jim and Aaron, they were like, these are cool. Like, even almost the way they are, um, they had a very intimate, you know, almost a four-track vibe with the way it just sounded warbly and a little bit um, strange, but it was kind of added to the atmosphere for the songs, which are kind of dark and sparse and quiet or whatever. So it was kind of cool. And I was my one regret... And not, not super regret. I could still, I, I still am proud of what I did, but um, of the demo. But if I would have played the demos a little bit better, I could have easily seen them being released as is because they had a certain vibe. Yeah. To it. I think recording the way I did at night, at midnight, quietly, um, with these songs super fresh in my psyche, just had some sort of energy to it. So I was pretty stoked on how they came out demo wise, and I wanted to kind of keep that what I was excited about, keep that. And, uh, and use that for the main actual recording of it. You know, the, the quiet, sparse, right. the acoustic guitar is the same one. So a lot of that vibe I try to transfer over, obviously a little bit with some more fidelity, I suppose. But um, I was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was 
I was pretty close to recording the record on the four track because I liked the vibe so much of the demos. Right. I was like, maybe I just record this on the four track. And I do have a whole version of the record that way on four track. So yeah, it was a, it was pretty interesting how that all came about. Yeah, that, um, you know, that's what's funny. One of my two favorite records are the only two Latin Playboys records. D uh, Hildago was just demoing in his house, but the exact same as you. He had to play quietly in his kitchen. He had got home from tour, you know, in sort of night owl mode. He's got the family at home and he was, you know, pretty restless come 10 p.m. So he did a lot of those that record in his kitchen and then the magical chad blake added a lot to it but it's <laughs> when you tell me that story about having to be quiet it's pretty that's a that's pretty i've never heard that that's pretty cool because yeah that makes that's yeah. exactly what i did for the same reasons uh do you know those records no i'm, I'm looking it up right now though but i might know some of the work dude on yeah i mean los lobos was like a very and not the group necessarily but the the album the soundtrack for la bamba which they obviously uh -huh. were uh, the backing band for was like a huge. Yeah. That was my first like I need to get a guitar moment watching that movie. Oh yeah, and the first yeah. song I learned how to play and sing was uh, a Richie Valens song from that movie, which I broke the VCR with trying to like rewind the scene where <laughs> over and over again to learn how to play the song. So it's a very instrumental thing. I'm gonna definitely check it out. I've heard the name forever, Latin Playboys, but oh, I, I didn't really know just anything about records. it. Yeah, ninety four yeah. to ninety nine. I see. Yeah, it's hard to find uh, performances. I think there's like one Conan one, and, and it, it's good. It's just Hildago seems shy, like a shy guy to me. So. I've met him. I've met him before, um, and yeah, yeah, didn't talk to him too much. He seemed like a quieter, you know, obviously not super uh, uh, out there dude, but like, but yeah, quiet and stuff like that. But uh, super nice, super nice dude. Yeah. When um, we were on tour and played at the same venue as Los Lobos. We had a day off. They played the night we had a day off, and we all met them in the hotel, and we were all nice. really psyched. And they invited us to the show, and we went. And it was so good. It was, and it was, they really stepped out. They did all kinds. The first half was just like psych. It was so rad. Yeah, that's the thing. I never even realized this other the kind of side of, you know, of their music because I'd never listened to it. I didn't have family. My family was listening to more like actual you know, Mexican uh, artists from Mexico and stuff, nothing contemporary really. So I wasn't exposed to a lot yeah. of it, but, but yeah, listening other, listening to a lot of other people I really respect and, um, and admire kind of talk about them and realize that, yeah, they're a big deal and they're doing a lot of stuff besides what you, what I might've thought. Yeah. Musically. Yeah. You and I are cut from the same cloth in a lot of rock and roll ways. And I, I can identify a lot of you know, we have the same influences over the 90s and early 2000s and even currently. Are there any current Mexican influences going on in your... Um, the Currently, let me think. Well, during the making of the record, I went through a lot of uh, Latin American artists. Like, you know, like I said, YouTube holes and streaming holes, listening to all this music. So I was yeah. catching up a lot on the 70s songwriters, uh, Latin songwriters, mm -hmm. and a lot of them actually from... Uh, Brazil, interesting enough. Brazil and um, other parts of Latin America, not so much Mexico, although um, definitely Juan Gabriel, which is an old a childhood favorite for mine and many others. Mexican artist, a lot of um, other music I've always kind of listened to now and again, but the deep dive was with yeah. like guys like Roberto Carlos, um, super huge international star, but big Mexican star, like a lot of these uh, artists from other countries were really huge in Mexico still. 
um, right. Juan Gabriel, like I said, and uh, Nelson Ned, another Brazilian um, artist. Um, but it was like their music was more like this romantic 70s pop stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything specifically Latin American or Mexican I've been listening to. Because I've just been, like I said, on a weird Lemonheads kick. And um, yeah, and also just I've stumbled on some interesting new bands that are doing this. I mean, the 90s are back, baby. And so many of these young kids are doing these projects that sound like, I don't know if you know who Duster is. I do. So, like, I love Duster. I mean, I love them. And, like, it's just so cool seeing all these, like, young kids <laughs> appreciate that era of late 90s, mid-90s music that mm-hmm. isn't, uh, you know, the stuff on the radio, the deep cuts on the college radio stuff. And that, that's, the, I mean, I've been like really head deep into that um, recently. And so my mind, yeah, is a little farther away from the Latin artist thing. I think it's just because, like I said, I've been listening to that for so long. I was ready for some contemporary new stuff. Right. But yeah, it's always, I always go back to the same stuff. I recently did um, something for um, the Academy Museum for a director, uh, Roberto Galvodon, I believe his name is, and a retrospective on 1950s cinema that the Mexican director, um, I curated a playlist for the event. And so that made me kind of go through, made me go through um, some stuff I hadn't heard before, especially, I don't know what I like to call Mexican blues, which is ranchera music, um, cowboy mm-hmm. music, but Mexican cowboy music, you know, so I was, I was deep diving and all that stuff. Because I collaborated with Paul on that playlist with my mom, who was a mariachi singer. Um, and she, oh, she was? Yeah, so she knew a lot of the stuff, I knew a lot of the music, and really helped me kind of like pick the right songs and pick stuff for the playlist that she enjoyed back in the day when she was watching those the golden age of Mexican cinema, which is like 1950s like Mexican cinema. Um, so, yeah, I'm always like, I'm always going back and listening to Mexican music. I really love boleros and uh, trios, which is like these three-piece guitar bands where like three-part harmonies, mm-hmm. three guitars. Uh, like Los Dandies, Los Panchos, Los Tres Aces, really cool stuff, super, super sophisticated songwriting, but uh, yeah, about love, about everything, and three-part harmony. It's another thing that definitely influenced my, the record was the song structures, the, the chord structures, uh, the chord sequences on stuff like that. Um, like a, It's called Boleros, Trios, um, and that was, uh-huh. that's a huge, a huge influence on me for sure, too. Is there any uh, type of drone in that in that music? Not necessarily. I mean, no. Okay. You know, that, the music is definitely more for me. It's like it's Mexican Tin Pan Alley music because it's just these oh, okay. jazzy chords, very. But the but the melody but the but the melodies they come up with the chords the uh, the arrangements are very pretty, very very song structured, uh, beautiful harmonies. It's just, yeah, it's not droney, but it's a a different side of me that I also tap into, which is the melodic side. What's next for you? You got any tours planned or world tours? Um, not quite yet. Obviously, we're seeing how the world kind of like unfolds with the virus mm-hmm. and world wars. But um, and obviously now that people are jumping back out, I mean it's a big you know bottlenecking of touring, of trying to book stuff. So I'm trying to wait. We'll see when the record comes out. I want to do some regional shows at the very least, and I'll be working on that. But at at the moment. I'm trying to practice every night, basically, you know, a couple of times a day, do a set live. And I've been really focusing on trying to play better live. So there's hope that I could play out. You know, that's the only way, one of the few ways musicians can make money these days. So it's just uh, an income stream that was totally 
just uh, destroyed with COVID, and I'm hoping it comes back, and I'm hoping to enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. Now that I'm an older, uh, what is it called, a legacy artist, I can uh, simply. <laughs> Are you a legacy artist already? <laughs> I don't know. It's been over twenty. <laughs> it's been over twenty years, so maybe. Um, but I just want to play coastal cities, and I want to play like uh, beach beachfront cities uh, up and down the Latin American coast. That's that's my goal, and I want to get down to Mexico, play a lot down there. So. I put the I put that word out and hopefully my team can help me with that and that's that's my plan. Yeah. I want to play Mexico. I want to play Latin America. I want to do that ASAP. So yeah, that's on my radar. Have you been down there much? Not recently. Not recently. Been down to Mexico once for a tour. Uh, not a tour, but a mm-hmm. show. This was a 2007 was the first time I did it for music, and then uh, last time was 2016 or something. For like, okay. not really a tour, just a couple shows because I was visiting family and I, just, I was able to book some shows. But uh, yeah, no, I want to get down there for real and play a bunch of cities down there. And like I said, go as far as uh, South America too. And uh, I'd love to get to yeah. Chile. And like I said, any kind of coastal areas mm-hmm. we're, we're in. Right. And will you tour by yourself or with a band? Well, that's what I'm working on. Like, you know, when I said I was like, you know, studying people and how they're doing it, I was studying Elliot Smith and Evan Dando and Jose Gonzalez, like the solo acts. I'd like to be able to yeah. do it solo. Well, not because I don't want a band, but honestly, like we were talking about earlier, it's like to be in a band, it's super hard to pay people. It's super hard, like, and you need to pay people, you need to pay musicians, anybody that works with you. And so, like, just financially speaking, I'll probably be doing it as a one, as a solo act or as a two piece at the most for right now. Right, and I am working with my buddy Evan, who's been in bands with me forever, and so we're doing like a two piece thing. That seems to be the, the funnest thing. Evan Dando. I wish. No, it, I, although I love my buddy Evan too. My buddy, <laughs> yeah. My I actually put that on the I put that on the uh, universe. It'd be really funny if you revealed that right now. My but oh, and oh, my yeah. buddy Evan. Uh, yeah. By the way, we're touring together. Um, <laughs> I would love that him and or like a Lou, we're going out with Lou Barlow. Lou Barlow just did like a string of like those kind of book your own shows things the people's houses stuff and all this other weird oh yeah alternative venues really interest me a lot like i don't I, you know we're talking about tour stories like i haven't toured in a, in a while but like just doing it for those five years or whatever just really kind of just gave me a distaste for just doing the whole schlog and going to these sure places that don't treat you well and just like are just out of the way and blah blah and just bars and people talking over your playing i love the idea of alternative venues and so like booking your own shows, doing you know, backyard shows, house shows, gallery shows. I don't know. We'll see what happens yeah. with that. But I feel if I'm acoustic, if I'm solo, one other person, the sky's the limit. You can kind of play anywhere. And that's the goal. Right. Me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm going to let you go. Thanks, man. Uh, one more thing, though. Mm-hmm. You and I have been in a band together. We were in All Smiles together, technically. Oh, really? <laughs> you sang on a song I played on. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. I remember that. Yeah, summer I, stay. Uh huh. Yeah, summer summer stay. stay. I think. I remember working yeah. on that when while I was recording the second record. I do remember doing it. Like I remember Jim having his recording set up in the in like at the time when I recorded yeah. with him in the, in the closet or something uh, at his house yeah. or something. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I got to go back and listen to that. Yeah. What'd you do on it? Play drums. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you're still a yeah. drummer? I'm looking for a drummer. Yes. Where are you living? Seattle. Oh, okay. So I'll come know? to LA though. Well, I'll do the Chuck Berry thing, and like when I get to that part of town, I'll be like, "I need to hire a drummer," and I'll give you a call, and just yeah. give you the give you the couple thousand, couple thousand, right? And then for a show, yeah, cool. That's right, it's a couple thousand per show. Yeah, I've been practicing that Falling Star song. Oh, sweet! Because oh yeah, I was sitting up. Mm-hmm. There's really cool drums on that. Yeah, um, that's me. 
cool meaning like i don't know what i was doing and i think i did some weird syncopated stuff and it just kind of worked it's syncopated but the way it drops in and it's it's great it sounds good well i appreciate yeah. that yeah 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 all right man i'll let you go I if, um it. when you get traveling travel safe please and uh yeah maybe we'll see a dick's burger or something fun fact dick's burger is where yeah. my now wife first put the moves on me because we were on tour. No my, way. My one tour story I will give you is that I was on tour, and my mm-hmm. tour manager at the time uh, got in my line at the Dick's Burger. You know how you can get in different lines and stuff? She got in my line. Yeah, so yeah. She's trying to talk to me then, and I think that's where everything started, and now we're married. And she's right behind, wow. she's right behind me. So there's my tour story. Dick's Burger. That's perfect. Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. All right. I'll, All right. Uh, hope to see you in L.A. or Seattle or something. Take Thanks it easy. Thanks a lot. For, appreciate for putting up my little lightness and weirdness. I uh, appreciate it. No problem. All right, man. No problem. Take it easy. All right. Bye. bye.